0: See, we don't need to rehearse. Things turn out just fine. Jerry is not smiling. I just want to you to know that. Well, it's a happy day. The uh, Rejoice concert went very well last, uh, last week. And uh, uh, many people were gathered here, and we had a joyful time. And uh, many good memories that came out of that. Um, much good food and fellowship. New friends were made, and uh, God was glorified throughout that. And uh, we put up the uh, rejoice sign. Sandy painted that several years ago, and and it is one that uh, hangs in my study, and it is a great one to bring out for us to celebrate this uh, this day of joy. And you've already noticed that our scripture lessons, too, have, uh, have brought up joy and singing and, uh, and given us some good reasons to, uh, to answer questions that might pop up in our minds as we live in a time that is not always so very joyful. Why should we be joyful? Or where does this joy come from? Or how can we sustain this joy in our lives? Is this God's will that we would uh, be joyful? Um, and we, uh, we have before us uh, four passages from the scriptures, and uh, maybe each of them present a bit of a portrait, a portrait of, uh, of joy. Now, because, uh, because joy is evident in creation, joy is evident in humanity, joy is evident in people of faith, joy is evident in people who wait for the coming of the Lord. Portraits are an interesting uh, thing to think about. Uh, in our day, we have our cameras and our iPads. We can take instant photos, and if we look at them, we don't like them, we say, no, no, go back there. Um, you've got to smile. It just has to be a happy picture, and we can try them again. Uh, there were some pictures that were taken after the concert on on Sunday, and um, and that was a pattern that was followed. Several were snapped until, until one was maybe okay or the best one and that one would be sent around to uh, relatives maybe in other parts of the country or the world or maybe end up on a Christmas card or, or part of the family archives for, for years to come. But with a portrait, with a portrait, I understand that uh, an artist who is skilled in that in that kind of painting is commissioned to come and, and spend time with the person. To, um, to see the person uh, in their daily life, to see them maybe in a, a public setting if it is a public sort of person. And then over time, they start to make some sketches. And then gradually with more time, they, they would fill in the sketches with uh, with the different shadings and uh, only the nuances that the artist had seen and maybe hadn't been evident to to family members or even the person themselves, uh, I watched a program where, where part of the program was uh, a portrait artist was commissioned to to paint uh, a portrait of Winston Churchill uh, while he was prime minister, and uh, uh, they thought this would be a great honor for him, and his portrait would hang in the in the halls of. Uh, 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 of the of the government there in uh, United kingdom, and the day came after the portrait artists had spent uh, months with him and finally finished his own work where it was it was unveiled and Winston was aghast and he said, "That's not me, that's not me. I won't have it. I won't have it and uh, and uh, he was just disgusted with it and uh, Kind of put a damper on the celebration that day, um, but people were kind of used to that being around Winston. And uh, I guess uh, part of the program was, I imagine this is true, that uh, um, uh, that when when Winston when Winston fell sick and and, and died, that uh, um, that his wife burned the portrait uh, in uh, back, back out back behind the house. Um, in compliance with his wishes that uh, he didn't want the portrait to hang or be a representation of himself uh, the artist had seen something in in winston maybe beyond his physical features that uh, that he he painted into in into the the picture it did not match what what winston saw himself and so he, he was disgusted with it. He wouldn't, couldn't accept that. It was something that was completely unacceptable to him. Uh, these texts that we have offer us a chance maybe in a, to approach and say, what is the portrait of joy that is presented in these different texts, these four that, um, that are before us here? Um, and maybe we can look at the uh, the Isaiah text that Matt read for us, uh, isaiah thirty five it's it's a uh, a short chapter in Isaiah, and it is um, a chapter that talks about the the people of Israel coming back from exile. They're coming back and and they are they are so uh, excited and anticipating what this will be like. and uh, but maybe they are also tempered by, by the suffering and the distance and the time that has passed since they were back in their homeland, maybe they've heard word that things are a lot different now—that um, uh, that there are ruins where once there were thriving cities; that the the wealth of um, of many of the uh, of the farms and in the villages is gone, and um, and families are disrupted and uh, and it is a, a dreary and dismal and dry place. Uh, but the word of the Lord comes to Isaiah and, uh, and talks about, no, you need to be filled with rejoicing because you are coming out of the wilderness and God is with you. God has gone ahead of you. God is providing rain. He is providing water for the wilderness and the desert. This will literally was true but it also was something that was a metaphor for their lives because it meant that there were crops and it meant that there were wildlife. It meant there were grazing pastures for their animals and their herds. They were all good things that were going to be waiting for them because the Lord God would provide that. And they, they're they encouraged to, to rejoice with joy and singing. Things get very specific here. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. The joy will be because God has been providing. God has been faithful. God has gone ahead and taken care of his people again. If they will trust in God, their singing will anticipate that and they will be fully able to receive it with great joy. As we keep looking at this, at this chapter, we start seeing some other, other themes that turn up elsewhere in the Bible too. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here, here is your God, he will come with vengeance with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. This is why you can be joyful, Israel people, exile people, leaving where you are and going back home. Maybe some of you have never seen that. Generations have passed, but but still, your God goes before you. He provides, and he also strengthens. He will He will give you what you need and he will do it in such a glorious way that that the nations around you will be in awe and they will respect you and they will give glory to your God also. It's a whole package that you can count on by this God who is at the center of your life. But there's more. The eyes of the blind shall be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer in and, and the tongue of the speechless, sing for joy. All these images of, of joy are turning up in creation. They're turning up in, in those who are, are suffering, those who can't see, those who can't hear. The marginal in society, the Lord God really is going to take care of things that have been broken down and things that are weak and things that are poor. The burning sand shall become a pool, thirsty ground, springs of water. The haunt of jackals, which would typically be the barren desert caves become a swamp and grass shall become reeds and bushes. In this part, a highway shall be there. It shall be called the Holy Way, capital H, capital W. It is an image of the, of the movement, of the, of the progress that the Israel people are making literally as they return home, but also as they, are, as they are progressing in their lives, as they are moving into their lives again and as they are continuing to have commerce and also fellowship and also pilgrimage to temple worship. All these things are a restoration of, of well, how they have known their life and, and how it has been an identity uh, and a strength for them. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. In the last phrase and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What a wonderful, what a wonderful picture, what a wonderful portrait uh, that Isaiah is painting here. This is what is you can count on, this is what you are looking for. And the Lord God is painting this for you, exiled people of Israel. Return home, have this attitude of anticipation, keep this in your minds, and let it erase. Sorrow and sighing. Well, James, isn't that what you read from here, Alyssa? James five, toward the end of, of James. Um, uh, James is an interesting book. Uh, Martin Luther wasn't sure if he wanted it included in the uh, in in the New Testament in the Bible when the canon was was being formed and crystallized because it talked about good works. Uh, faith without works is, is dead. And uh, also those famous uh, passages about to uh, beware, beware the results of, uh, of your language, your, your tongue, uh, the untamed tongue. But here toward the end, there are just, uh, uh, just four verses here about patience. Be patient therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. That doesn't sound very joyful. it sounds like it sounds like kind of uh, 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 it sounds like a, a parent telling telling a, a child that's waited waited long and uh, of course is very impatient. It sounds like he's talking maybe to someone in, in a contemporary society where we're used to fast food and, and fast driving and, and quick conversations and uh, everything in instant form. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop, being patient with it and until it receives the early and, and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Hmm, still nothing about joy or rejoicing. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. You see, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Hmm, must be a mistake. I don't see anything there about, about joy. No, that's the right passage but maybe it's talking about those things that that threaten joy, that threaten joy within the believers that James was writing to. Quite a bit of experience now after the resurrection of Jesus, after the forming of the church, and after uh, times of persecution and even struggle within, within the church between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. Not always a happy time and and uh, many of the core understandings that we take for granted as the Church of Jesus Christ were still, were still being pounded out and, and, uh, and they were often very direct and harsh and judgmental with each other. And we could maybe surmise that they were often not a very joyful community. It's hard to be joyful when you disagree it's hard to be joyful when you feel left out. It's hard to be joyful when you feel put down or when you don't have the status that maybe someone else in the group might have. Uh, smaller groups form and, and people choose not to participate. People, uh, um, people don't bind together, but they tend to, to separate. And uh, whispering and grumbling start. All these are, are threats to joy within the believer and within within the church. So maybe the admonition to be patient, be patient. Why? Just to keep things quiet and peaceful? Yes, but more. So that your joy, your joy in the Lord might be preserved. Maybe James has has in mind, uh, he knew the scriptures, we believe James is the brother of Jesus, a text like Nehemiah 8, the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we maintain that that relationship that is so intimate and full of wonder and, and full of the power that God's redemptive presence in our lives makes in us, then that is a strength. A strength for us personally and a strength for us as a community of faith is a precious thing that needs to be guarded, that needs to be protected. So grumble not and be patient, therefore, beloved. And then maybe we should look at Luke, too. Mary, that's a lot closer to, to our Christmas season this song that that Alyssa read for us is called the magnificat it's uh, it's kind of a Latin word that a, that appears in the in the Latin rendering of of this song, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior ah we we're right at home now in the topic of joy. we have Mary the the young teenager who was who is great with child. She is pregnant, and and the angel has told her that the one who is within you has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he will be the Messiah, and uh, and she has consented, and she has and she has received this not only as her lot in life, but her call and a and a wonderful joy in the gift that it has been given to her. She goes to the hill country to see her cousin Elizabeth. And as she is there visiting her, then the child that is in with, when, within Elizabeth's body uh, leaps in recognition um, of the child that is growing in Mary's body. And if we look back on those verses, we didn't read them. Elizabeth said, as soon as I heard the the." Sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. Leap for joy. It's a joyful awareness of truth that, is, that, is, that communicates even from, from womb to womb. I'm way out of my field here in area, so I don't know what else to say about that, but that seems like that's really important and it uh, seems like that's, uh, that's something of, that, that is in the realm of God intimacy and in relationship in those who believe and follow and receive and cultivate the joy of the Lord. It becomes their strength. It becomes a means of communicating in a new level of acceptance and grace, mercy and truth with one another. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and uh, and this was a song that she sang, and maybe she told Luke about this song, maybe Elizabeth did, but it's been recorded here, and, and as we heard, it, it said for us today, maybe we thought, oh, that sounds a lot like Isaiah, about the, uh, the, the, the rich being sent on their way, about the, the poor uh, being cared for, uh, about those who are weak and those who are powerless, um, Having, having new life and, and new rights and uh, a new reason to be joyful. Uh, further down in this song here, he, he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he has made to our ancestors. Hmm. And we have to say that sounds kind of revolutionary. And it is. it is. Jesus in Luke 4 would, would echo that in in his coming out servant and a sermon in the in the synagogue. Um, William Temple, when he was Archbishop of Canterbury, told his missionaries to India, whatever you do when you read scripture, do not read Mary's Magnificat. Do not read that in India because you will get into trouble. You will be arrested because it is so revolutionary. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, sent the rich empty away. Could it be that uh, true joy, godly joy in ourselves, has to do with the distribution of wealth and goods in God's world? That the that the rich will be humble, that the poor will be cared for, that there will be a fulfillment of what the Israel people mandated and celebrated with jubilee. Jubilee, every 50 years, the, the, the owners of the fields would receive them again, debts would be canceled, and they would be starting again as a people. The families that owned a certain plot of land would own it again. Maybe in spite of the misfortunes, in spite of the trouble, in spite of the bad decisions, in spite of all the things that happened in life, and they had lost their land, no it would be restored to them intact. People of Israel knew that that was coming, and they knew they could look forward to that. Think how that would change their attitude toward each other. Think how that would bring peace. Think of how that would preserve the joy in their being together. Mary, if Mary sang this song, she sang it to uh, uh, to the child within her, and. We know ourselves now that, that mothers that, uh, that sing, the, the child knows the mother's voice. And, and even there's, there's some studies that show that the songs that the mother sings during that period of gestation are songs that the child loves when they are born and when they start growing up. There's a recognition and knowledge in their own fetal brains that, that registers um, the tunes and the, and the sentiments, the tone of the songs that, that the mother sings, lullabies, or maybe, maybe hymns of faith. And you can imagine maybe that Mary, in singing this song, has been a part of the influence on Jesus and his life, his system of values, his joy, in relationship to God Almighty. One, two, three. Oh, wait a minute. There's a fourth one. Oh yeah, you yeah, know the one that Matt led us in uh, Psalm 146. 146. Does this have any lessons for us? I remember that there was rejoicing in this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. That's 148. You knew that, didn't you? I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes and mortals in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Some of these themes we've heard already in these other texts, but
1: there's one maybe that uh, hasn't been surfacing there. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. The song of praise is a psalm of rejoicing. It's a song that picks up the themes of Isaiah and then and her victory to God also again and again it says the Lord does this the Lord sets, the Lord opens, the Lord lifts the Lord loves the righteous, the Lord watches, the strangers he upholds, all these birds, active birds we do not worship a passive God but we we worship an active Lord and as we do that, as we receive his goodness as we receive his redemptive power in our lives response is joy and it comes from within us. And as we as we use it, as we are joyful, we find that it becomes a part of suffered a stroke earlier last week and uh, never really recovered from that I was amazed to see that of all the abilities that had been taken from her in that cruel stroke it did not take the joy out of her it didn't take it away from her face, it didn't take it away from the, from the two words that she could say it didn't take it away from her visit her, she was still communicating something that was deep within her and also in our relationship. She was filled with uh, the joy of the Lord. I did most of the talking in my visits with Callie this week. I reminded her of the things that we had talked about over the years. <coughs> her own life and she was a nurse in uh, world war ii and in in the korean war seeing terrible awful injuries and uh infections dealing dealing with death and fear somehow that that put life and death in front of her as a very young person. And she would all talk about those things, and she would say, "But you know, Dan, there's, there's no life in thinking about those things. Letting it get you down, Let, letting those terrible events that I witnessed and we all witnessed destroy you. Choose joy. Choose life." the source of that is the Lord God. She herself uh, married and uh, and raised children. She continued to work, always worked full time. She worked in uh, hospitals and nursing homes. She became an administrator in uh, in nursing homes and and had the reputation of uh, of uh, in, in influencing the institution in which she served, but also countless lives and families of people who were facing debilitating health and uh, situations where where death was, was an outcome. And through that, she something like, oh, this day is too short to, to grumble about it or to, or to be sad. Let's do something else. Let's sing. Let's play a game. Someone tell a joke. She loved to laugh. And persistently she did that and she <laughs> showed on her face. The resting posture of her face with a smile. I will sing the praises of my God through all my days. Joy a very conscious identity in her. And because it was that way, it wasn't something that was kept to herself. That would be her own honor, she would say. But it needs to be shared. shared. And in the sharing, it it grows. In the sharing, it gets more and more happy and it becomes more and more strong. That's what the joy of the Lord is our strength, is in the sharing. Maybe you know, Callie, in your own life, or remembering Betty, maybe, I just talked about her as being as tall as Callie was. The gift of joy invites us to do that. To celebrate the gift of lives in our lives. Lives that have been completed and lives that are still in our midst. Precious gifts. Not to be exploited, not to be used, not to not to serve our our selfish needs, but to share the joy of the Lord. And to realize help us to, uh, to practice that joy with each other that we might be able to be as you would uh, to bring new life to bring encouragement to bring forgiveness all of those things that we wrap up in the word redemption to each other we pray that this Advent season will be a season uh, to glorify We pray that uh, that we might even have the issue to to seek out the sad and the the sorrowful, the sighing, uh, and to give up ourselves there with listening, with joy, with the love of God. We pray for those in our midst who uh, are struggling with their health. We continue to pray for David Graham. We pray for Julie as. Faithful sister is. She tends to him and encourages him and gives him her joy. Her joy to the Lord. We pray for him as she recovers from pneumonia. We thank you for healing this afternoon. Some of our bodies need replacement. focused on our individual tribal needs but that we would see things through your eyes, and pray that we would be long before you humble and joyful and persistent love. we pray for we pray for those especially uh who can't identify their their main days. Yeah, right. you